Go back with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, I want you to go with me over to chapter 2 around verse 14. I'm going to talk to you today about the foundation of every triumph. The foundation of every triumph. And Paul says these words... But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. We understand that is the smell of death. The scripture says unto the other, the fragrance of life. How many glad you're on the life side of that, that smell? Um, it's an interesting scripture, and I want you to understand that the Bible also tells us in Romans 8 that nay, and all these things were more than what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. Come on, boldly say it. I'm a conqueror. I'm not a loser. I'm not a quitter. I'm a conqueror. We've been finding out that the triumph is to gain mastery and victory after a serious conflict, battle, or test. We can't have triumph if there's not been some kind of a challenge. We've learned that it's overwhelming victory on display for all to see. We are learning that there's a special anointing on God's people this year to triumph and become champions. Wave your hand and say, I'm one of them. Come on, say it boldly. I'm one of them. Now, part of our job this year in, in the preaching and teaching ministry, the role of the pastor or teacher is to make sure that you have the foundation for sustaining that victory and that triumph. The Lord's not interested in you winning for a day. An occasional blip on the map or something goes right. He's interested in doing something. And it's, it's like this. How many understand it's, it's not the judgment of God that makes the cross attractive. It's the love of God. It's the goodness of God. And so what he's going to do this year, he's going to show you that through triumph, that triumph becomes attractive. That triumph catches the attention of the people that are out there that need the Lord. And maybe we're taught erroneously that God is against them, that God is the author of their trouble, their pain, all the stuff they've gone through. No, God comes in this year with tremendous power to lift you up and, and make you a poster child for what he can do if you'll turn to him, if you'll live for him. So understand he's interested in spreading the knowledge of God through the triumph that he gives you as you follow him, as he leads you into triumph. Does that make sense today? Now to fully appreciate this scripture and understand this, you need to understand a little bit what it was like to be on the streets of Rome when they actually had a Roman triumphal procession. There were 320, 30 of these before the time of Christ. And so everybody at the time of Christ would have known what this was like. They would have known what it was to see some great general paraded through the streets and honored because of some great conquest. To understand this, it started at what was called the Triumphal Gate. And it went all the way down to the Temple of Jupiter in Rome. First, what would happen is all the magistrates of all the territories that were under the authority of Rome, you know, would, would march out in front and all the senators from the Roman Senate would be there as well. Behind them would be those that were captive because of the 
battle that this general was coming back. All the officers and the generals and the leaders, they would be in chains. They would also show, have a display of, of cart after cart after cart of the spoils of the war they took when they're engaged in that battle. They also would then sometimes have exotic animals come back because Rome carried a lot of territory and so some animals they weren't used to seeing would be marched as well in that parade. But what would happen after those sinners was a huge blast of musicians and trumpets. Everybody would know that the procession had begun. You know, when you and I think of a parade, we think about Veterans Day or Fourth of July or maybe the Christmas parade. And at the end of the Christmas parade, who shows up? I can see you have watched your miracle on 34th Street. Good for you. Yes, amen. (laughs) Or if you haven't had enough, Hallmark's still showing Christmas movies on Friday nights. If it doesn't stop, I'm just going to turn to one big ball of cheese. All I got to say, Pam, is you are worth waiting for. Yes, yes you are. Amen. <laughs> so we've, we've, got, we've got the magistrates and we've got the senators and we've got the, the officials and the generals and the officers that are captive. And we've got all these animals and we've got the spoils. And then all of a sudden, here comes this chariot that's adorned in gold. Four powerful horses at the front of that thing. And we have this mighty general who had to accomplish a great battle. Over 5,000 people had to actually be executed. What have to happen was it was have to be in a territory that they were actually responsible for as a magistrate. And they would have to ended the war, the conflict in that territory. It was a big deal. This didn't happen very often. So he's riding through in this chariot. He's got four horses, and, and he's adorned in purple and in gold. And he basically is, is really draped in, in garlands of, of laurel. And as he came through, the people would, would make these garlands of laurel, and they would fill literally the streets. And this aroma would come up from this laurel. This laurel, in, in some ways, would smell like lavender. There's a version of this tree that actually grows in Texas. Everybody say everything's better in Texas. <laughs> And it actually smells like great bubble gum. You remember bubble gum when you were a kid? The burst of aroma that would come when you would chew into that thing. And, and this, was, this, this, you know, this scent would waffle up from the streets. And he would have himself adorned in this particular you know, laurel as well. And this was the picture of what you would see. Quite festive, quite amazing. And coming up behind him would be the soldiers who actually went into war. And they're celebrating, and they're singing songs, and sometimes they're trying goading with their songs, the one that's in the chariot, just for fun. But the amazing thing is, oftentimes when they went into a territory that was overrun by some enemy empire, Roman citizens would have been held captive. Roman citizens would have been placed in in bondage and and somehow limited as as a contrast to how they were actually in Rome. What's interesting is oftentimes in between these chariots and these soldiers would be these Roman citizens who were captives, but the general set them free. Do you see this picture? That's the backdrop for what he's talking about. He just didn't pick these terms out of the air, triumphal procession. 
He had seen this many times. Everyone wouldn't have known what a triumphal procession is. I want you to see this in the context of what Jesus has done for you and for me. Jesus leads us in triumphal procession. Everybody say Jesus three times. You got to hook your wagon to him. Because no one else is going to lead you in triumphal procession. That's the only available option. The scripture tells us he leads us. He will not force you into triumph if you don't want to go. He is not going to make you go down that path of victory. You have to align your will with his. The scripture tells us he leads us always. It happened 320, 30-something times before the time of Christ in Rome, but that's not a one-time shot for the believer. You're supposed to be led every day in triumph. Always leads us in triumph. Come on, say it. Always. 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 Triumphant. That is a far cry from the, the poor mouthing, frowning, you know, pathetic thing you see on the spirit of a lot of Christians. Look like they lost their, their best friend. They've been sucking on lemons all their life and Woe is me. You know, that's where hee-haw came from. (laughs) Gloom, doom, despair, and what? Agony on me. That is not the way the believer should be. You are to be always led in triumph. You are more than a conqueror. You are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. He has not made you to be defeated. He has made you to be victorious and triumphant. Not once in a blue moon. Not once every time somebody does something great in the body of Christ. No, you are to be led in triumph every single day. Why? Because there's not a day Jesus is not triumphant. All you're telling me, if you're not walking in triumph, is you're following the wrong thing. No, politics will not lead you there. Church membership will not lead you there. Hooking your wagon to a certain personality won't get you there. Well, I follow this one. I follow that one. I'm a this person. I'm a that person. You better be a Jesus person if you want perpetual triumph in your life. We're talking about the foundation of what? Every triumph is a function of what he is in your life. Notice the Bible says in triumphal procession. In triumph means overwhelming victory. You're just not going to squeak by. You're going to win with such overwhelming victory. You're going to catch the attention of those that have been watching you. And my brothers and sisters, people have been watching you. How are they going to handle this? What are they going to do about this? What's going to happen if this happens? They're watching you. They're listening to you. Uh Uh-oh. What are they seeing? What are they hearing? No matter what's going on in your life, he wants to always lead you in triumphal procession. Well, you don't know where I've been. That's irrelevant. What's relevant is if you're following him, he's leading you somewhere and he's leading you in to triumph. Hallelujah. Scripture speaks of this as a procession. What does this mean? He wants to put you on display. Are you okay if he uses you as a poster child? Amen. Some of y'all could have been a poster child for gloom, doom, despair, and agony on you. Now it's time to be what? It's time to be in that parade of victory. 
Everybody. Listen, this is the kind of thing. How many understand in, in Knoxville when there's a football game, everybody's off the streets? Does that make sense? When you are in downtown St. Louis on game day, seriously, you can hear a cricket. Everybody's where? Inside. And when it came to these triumphal processions, the streets, you could go to sleep on them, one commentator said, because everybody was on the streets where the procession was happening to watch this thing. In other words, God will lead you in a triumphal procession and everybody's going to know what's happening with you. Not you bragging on you, but the Lord lifted you up. If you lift yourself up, you'll be humbled. If you humble yourself, guess what? You'll be lifted up. Everybody's going to know. Hallelujah. That neighbor's been messing with you. They're about to find out. That relative been putting you down all your life. Guess what? The Lord's going to raise you up and show you that it pays to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about how perfect you are. It's about how perfect he is. You are not the foundation of your triumph. He is the foundation of your triumph. And he'll continue to be if you'll let him be. And according to what I can figure out, he never lost. It's a mentality. It's a mindset. Hallelujah. You think about what Jesus has done for you and for me. The fact is you, you cannot understand the walk of faith and the life of faith if you believe that somehow faith is a magic bubble that descends over your life and nothing will ever touch you, nothing will ever challenge you, nothing will ever come against you. Quite the opposite. When you become a faith person, you have a target on your back. You understand this. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, that's what Mark 4 says. Watch this. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but what? Don't forget the but. This is the one time the pastor gives you permission to be a but. But the what? Be of good cheer. I have what? overcome the world. He's the one doing the triumph. You're following him. That's how you deal with these things. Uh, People have been sorely mistaken if they thought that the message of faith, that what we preach as faith people is get saved and nothing will ever challenge you. That's completely opposite to Scripture. What the true Scripture teaches is, yea, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. Faith does not, is not some kind of a protection from everything that may come at you. It is victory over everything that might come at you. You see the difference? Now watch this. It's important to understand this. Joseph was in the pit, but Joseph didn't let the pit get in him. The Hebrew children were in the fire, but they didn't let the fire get in them. Daniel was in the cave, but he didn't let the cave Get in them. Paul and Silas were in prison, but they didn't let the prison get inside of them. Jesus, hallelujah, was in hell, but he didn't let hell get inside of him. And some of y'all know what it is to go through hell on this earth. Things you've been through are unspeakable. Nobody would would tell you somehow that's minimized and it's not important, no big deal. It is important what's happened to you. But the good news is you don't have to let it get on the inside of you. People have fought wars theological over whether Jesus just died on the cross. Let me tell you something. If Jesus just physically died 
and the price of death, of you know, sin is death, and then we physically die, there would be no need for a new price. But the fact of the matter is, we just weren't going to die physically from sin. You and I were going to split hell wide open. And oh, what a day that would have been to actually watch as Jesus, the Bible says, and the, the historically liturgical and high churches have this right. How many understand that just because you and I don't agree with everybody on everything doesn't mean that everything we were taught is wrong? It's Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, very plainly. On the third day, he what? He rose, but before that happened, he what? He descended into hell. Can you imagine the, the pile of demons on him that day as he bore the sin and sickness and disease of everybody for all time? But then all of a sudden, he got up. He took the keys. Are you here today? See, he went to hell, but hell never got in him. Hallelujah. I got a word for some of you. It's time for some of y'all to get out of hell. He redeemed you a long time ago from that. Now start walking in triumph in these things. Amen. See, Jesus just didn't die and go into the ground. The scripture is very plain that somebody had to pay the penalty and the price for you and for me. And the penalty and price for sin is not our physical death alone. It's spiritual death, separation from God. I'm so glad that he's not the one holding out on us. Amen? Amen. Oftentimes, we're the one holding out on him. The foundation of our triumph is the one who overcame, the one who is more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Uh, As a young Lutheran, uh, I I was taught that principle, that concept, through those ancient documents that are based, of course, on the Word of God. But I found that uh, a lot of Pentecostals, Charismatics, Evangelicals, have a problem with the concept. Get over it. Jesus didn't buy an apartment down there. Hallelujah. I said he didn't buy real estate down there. Praise God. Well, he always leads us in fragrance. The scripture says, spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of God. Your triumph in him is the fragrance that spreads the knowledge of God. Are you here today? You're not glorifying God, for example, in the man who's born blind. He's not glorifying God by his blindness. He's glorifying God by his healing. You're not glorifying God by your struggle. You're glorifying God by your triumph. Hallelujah. Are you here today? You may be in bondage to some disease, some sickness, something that's got a hold of you. You are not in triumph because you're living that way. You're in triumph by overcoming that thing. Look at somebody and say, I'm overcoming. I'm more than a conqueror. I refuse to quit. I refuse to give up. I'm following Jesus. I'm following Jesus. He's leading me into triumph every day, every situation, every circumstance. Scripture tells us in Ephesians 4, 7, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Hallelujah. When Jesus did what he did, he wasn't bringing back Roman citizens to Rome as free men. He set us free. We are the ones that are the free. We are now 
servants of God. We are now slaves of redemption. We are unto him, hallelujah, his honor guard. We are the ones that follow him, and we sing the songs of joy and victory and peace. Because once you and I, we're bound. You can never celebrate the fact that Jesus has set you free enough. I said you can never celebrate the fact that Jesus set you free enough. I said you can never celebrate the fact that Jesus set you free enough. If everybody, anybody should be singing right now and praising God. It should be the believers. But many have lost their voice. Many have lost their song. Many have lost the spring in their step and the twinkle in their eye. The Lord has come this year to give it all back to you. Amen. Come on, poke somebody and tell them this is your year. Your year of triumph. Hallelujah. There's a scripture in Matthew 21 that I'll just share with you for a moment. Actually, why don't you just turn over there with me. Hallelujah. Jesus never loses, and that's the one that I'm following. Praise God. Matthew 21. When you found it, say, I found it. If you uh, have a translation... um, and you don't just have a, a textual version that does not have chapters and numbers and verses. You won't have this, but if you look above the, the numbers 21, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Triumphal entry. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent his two disciples ahead. Go into the village ahead of you, and at once, and you will find a donkey there. <laughs> and her coat by her. Untie them, bring them. If anyone says anything to you, tell them the Lord needs them, and he'll send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Not a chariot with four horses, but a donkey. Now watch this. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. What do you think is going on here? There is no one in the empire that did not know what a triumphal procession looked like. This is not by accident happenstance. This is prophetic utterance being fulfilled. And the scripture says, they yelled, Hosanna, to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When the chariot came in with the Roman, they yelled, lo triumphi, meaning the triumph, or he triumphs, or I triumph. They shared in the triumph as he came in. 
Jesus comes in there yelling what? Hosanna. With palm leaves on the ground. This is unmistakable. Every Pharisee and every Roman official knew exactly what this symbolism was. In the context of the greater picture, we know now that the greatest procession ever held is the one that started in that situation and culminated on the Via Della Rosa all the way to Golgotha till he was crucified for you and for me. And the third day he was raised from the dead. And how do you understand when he comes back it won't be on a donkey? There is yet to be another triumphant entry. I said there's another one coming. And the Bible tells me that those that remain, the dead in Christ shall be raised first. And those that remain will be caught up together in the clouds with him. Scripture tells us that in the Bible we're going to celebrate this great banquet with him. And he's going to give out, you know, the rewards to the saints. And we'll graciously throw them back down in honor to him. But there's something that happens on this earth while that's going on. And we're in heaven. But the scripture tells us there is a return. He's not riding on donkey anymore. He's coming great. He's coming back with great power and authority and majesty. And he's coming back with us holy ones. What a procession. Think of it this way in your mind's eye. Jesus and all of his captives that he set free. And behind him, the hosts of heaven. I just wonder what they'll be shouting on our way back down. Amen. The foundation of your triumph is Jesus, the living word of God. Are you here today? How could we not triumph? How could we not be excited? How could we not be full of joy and peace and victory? We're almost there. There's a little sliver of time now, and you and I are there. It's time for us to get serious about spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of him, not through our defeat, but through our triumph and our victory. Do you believe that today? Peter wanted to know about this. Everyone was interested who he really was. But when the Lord began to ask in Matthew 16, he had a revelation from heaven. He said, and I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. He said, I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. That does not mean a certain church or leader. It means the rock of revealed knowledge starting with the revelation that Jesus is Messiah. He is Lord and all revelation that springs forth from that. That's how he will do it. The foundation of your triumph. Scripture says in Ephesians 2.19, Now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being what? The chief cornerstone. Scripture says in Matthew 24.35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will 
never pass. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do a quick inventory in your own life and think about this. In Matthew 7, the scripture says, Every, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm on the rock. I'm going to stay on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Neither house was encapsulated by a bubble protecting them from the storm. They were both hit. But the one that lasted was the one whose house was built Upon the rock. Do you see this today? In other words, we hear and then we do what he says. We're leading, we're being led by the one in triumphal procession. We're following him. He's the foundation. The God that we serve is very clear on this. Jesus and his word are one. You cannot say that I am a Christian and dismiss his word. And it's high time we got a hold of this and stop being afraid to tell people the truth. You can't be a Christian and blow off his word. The Christian is more than I believe Jesus is the Messiah. The demons believe the Bible says and tremble. What's the difference between a demon and many so-called Christians? Well, the demons believe. But if we believe and don't obey like them, we're no different than them. Believing is not enough. To hear and actually do. Now we're at a crossroads, church. Everybody say, Jesus is the foundation. I don't know anybody in this church that hates Muslims, that hates Jews, that hates Buddhists, that hates homosexuals, that hates winos, that hates alcoholics, that hates anybody. In fact, this church for over 20 years has targeted people with life-controlling problems, issues, to get them whole, to get them sound. But you have to understand, we're at a crossroads in our culture, in our nation. And a, a child of God is going to hear the word and do what the word of God says. And I'm sorry if this offends you. Well, actually, I'm not sorry at all that it offends you. My preaching is my responsibility. What you do with it, action or offense is up to you. I'm not taking ownership over your offense. Hear me loud and clear. I am not going to spend another day of my life taking over your offense. That's your responsibility. But if you're offended over the word, that's an easy fix. Hallelujah. If I'm rubbing you further wrong way, turn the cat around. I'm sorry to a major presidential candidate who says, I'm a Christian, I just see the scripture differently, and openly supports the most radical form of abortion up to and even after birth. 
My God does not endorse infanticide in any form or fashion. Don't you dare say that God sanctions that because he doesn't do it. I'm going to follow the one who's in triumphant procession. He's the one that gets to make the rules. He's the one that says what a Christian is. He's the one that reveals. And don't say there's a Jesus and he deviates from his word because he and his word are one. When you're listening to Paul, you're listening to Jesus. When you're watching what God did in the book of Acts, you're seeing Jesus. When you read Leviticus and it says a man does not lie with man and woman does not lie with woman, it's abomination. You're not listening to the Old Testament God of thunder. You're listening to Jesus. And a major candidate stands up kissing his husband all over the nation and Christians are being led astray into this nonsense. Has nothing to do with homophobia. Let me tell you, it has to do with Jehovah phobia. It's the fear of God. And the perfect revelation of the fear of God is to do what God says to do. You cannot have triumph with your house, your life built on the sand. Do not be deceived. And it is out there. Are you here today? That's where the stand is. Taking an inventory. Not you looking at some candidate and go, well, yeah, bad, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong. You looking in the mirror and asking yourself, is my marriage on the rock? Is my employment on the rock? Is my ministry on the rock? Is my family on the rock, on that foundation? Are my goals on that rock? Is he leading me or am I leading myself? He's not required to give you triumph and you direct yourself. Triumph comes in following him. Disparity in the body of Christ. Well, you're, you're a pastor. You're supposed to do what God wants you to do. Well, thank you for that revelation. Well, let me give you one even better than that. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to do what he tells you to do. And our houses of worship all over the nation are filled with self-directed believers. But triumph comes in following him. And you can put a cherry on top of it. You can make it all nice and fuzzy and make it seem right. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end... It leads to what? Death. On that procession day, there were captives that were free by the actions of the general. And they came and they smelled that lavender, that great bubble gum, however you want to describe it. And they go, that is the smell of life. Thank God he came into this territory and set us free. How many of you can say, thank God he came into the territory and set us free? That is the smell of victory. Hallelujah. But then there were captives of the enemy, their generals and officers and leaders in chains. And at the end of that procession, when they got to the temple of Jupiter... They were executed. 
When they smelled that smell, knowing the Roman Empire's ways, it was not a smell of life to them. It was a smell of death. You need to be glad that you're not in front of the procession. You should be glad you're behind him in the procession. You don't have to worry about death because he's already paid that price for you. And really rejoice over what he's given you. Triumph. Hallelujah. It is a smell of life to us, but the smell of death to those that are perishing. I'm telling you that when Paul did this, it was not an accident. When Jesus came in, it was a sign. It was no accident. It's more than just putting on, you know, bed sheets and throwing palm leaves down on Palm Sunday. He was foreshadowing. You haven't seen a triumphant entry yet. But it's about to happen, church, isn't it? Praise God. See, this is how he leads us in triumph. Not a one-time shot on a sunny day in downtown Rome, but here in Murray. Leads you in triumph through his word. Every triumph has this as a foundation. Amen. Watch this. To deviate from Christ is to deviate from victory and triumph in your life. Say it with me one more time. God and his word are are one. Hallelujah. I know about you, but I'm glad that I'm going to be in that procession one day. Is it really going to be like that? It's going to start on the Mount of Olives. He's going to put his foot down. We're going to follow him. The heavenly hosts will be there. Zechariah described this. Those that relented would find grace and mercy. Those that resisted. The scripture says that the bloodbath will be so bad that it will rise to the level of the bridles of the horses. The scripture depicts their eyes and the features of their face and their bodies literally melting. When he comes back, you and I will smell life. Those on this earth that have opposed and rejected and tormented and persecuted him and his people will have a different smell that day. I said this before, I'll say it again. You and I don't nearly rejoice in our new birth like we should. The staggering thing that he did for you and for me, the price that he paid for you and for me, and the events of this world, we get so wrapped up in our lives, what's going on, we forget the big picture here. We're to walk in triumph so people can smell that triumph on you. And say, you know what? I want to make sure that I'm in that parade as well. How many are glad that you're in that parade? Come on, raise your hand if you're glad you're in that parade. Come on, give him a big shout today and thank him. <laughs>